0: Let's get this going. Welcome back, everybody, to the regularly scheduled time of Sports with a Z. Yesterday, I did a couple episodes with Michael Newman from the Newman Zone End Zone, cross-promotional episode, one on his show, and then he came on mine. Uh, Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Nigel Stevens, native of Dallas, Texas, diehard Dallas Mavericks fan. And today, we're going to talk about NBA free agency, but specifically in the scope of the dallas mavericks who once again i think uh, it's fair to say had quite the underwhelming off season it's not uh, officially over but the dust is starting to settle and and i think uh, we can form a pretty strong opinion of of what has happened and and what it'll lead to nigel thanks for thanks for joining thanks for calling in uh i'd just like to start off by hearing your background as a fan of the dallas mavericks I'd, i'd like to know how long you've been a Mavs fan? What's been your best moment? I think you can guess, but, but I'll go ahead and ask. What's your best moment, most painful or worst moment, and, and what you're most looking forward to about the future? Hey, Zach.
1: First, thanks for having me on, man. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. I love to see what you're doing. Um, I've been a Mavs fan, it, it's been a while, probably since, definitely before 2006. I want to say around 2005. When I was just starting to get into sports, my Dad used to always watch Mavericks games. I didn't really pay attention to it. But then once we got into the 06 finals, that entire playoff run, especially that San Antonio series, I was really locked in ever since then. I've been Diar, Dirk, Maz, Luka, anything related to Dallas Mavericks. I've been a huge supporter. Um, so, I mean, you, you probably already know, favorite moment, also you being a Dallas resident, 2011 when we finally, finally, finally broke through after all those playoff heartbreaks and meltdowns and whatever you want to call it, us finally breaking through 2011, getting that chip and getting Dirk's only, which, I mean, Dirk honestly should have more rings, but you guys bring yeah. And then I'd say probably the most painful moments. There's a lot to pick from. Oh, God. <laughs> There's, a lot pick. There's a lot to pick from. Um, so 06 definitely hurt. Um. Honestly, 07 hurt a little bit more. That's worse,
0: man. Just yeah.
1: because we, we just got in like the worst situation possible in terms of matchups. The Warriors they were coming on hot at the end of the year, and we were playing our worst basketball at that time. Um, Baron Davis was just a matchup nightmare. The energy of Golden State has not been in the playoffs for, what, 13, 14 years. And all of that sort of momentum just kind of hit us at the last second we just kind of folded. So, I mean, that was definitely the worst one, but, and then in terms of look, well, I'm looking forward to the future. Obviously, I mean, Lucas 22. I'm really, I mean, Lucas again, um, I believe he's going to resign this week. I believe I think it's like a Dallas strategic coming, but just all the other guys that we have that are younger. So, I mean, from our conversation, privately, you know, how big a fan of, I am of Josh green, um, Moses Brown. We'll talk about in a little bit. And then Tyrell Terry, those, Three young guys, I yep. feel like are going to be core to the future. You can even throw in Sterling Brown, you just signed. But this place collects of young guys, trying to see what is their ceiling, how they can develop in the next couple of years as we look to improve this roster. So I think that's the most intriguing and most exciting thing I'm looking forward to seeing.
0: No, I, 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 I really appreciate that, Nigel. And I know I'm the host. I'm supposed to be uh, relatively impartial, defer to the fan tuning in. But I'd be lying if I didn't say I – I, I'm also a fan of this episode. I, this, is, this is my team. Anybody who knows me knows the, the Dallas Mavericks are uh, just the most important team in my life. Uh, source of a, way more heartache than happiness, but definitely some, some happiness in there. Uh, I, I'd have to agree with you on 2011 being, being the best moment uh, really far. For, lucky enough, it happened during our lifetimes and uh, we don't have to hear stories yeah. like we have to about the Cowboys of uh, the glory days you know we we saw <laughs> that we we experienced that uh but I, I have to agree with you 2007 has to be the most the most painful uh, uh you know especially for me having been in the Bay Area for five plus years now people people think I hate the Warriors or don't like the Warriors because of of Katie and and Steph and the super team and, and sure you know that plays a part of it uh because it was quite frankly unfair for a little bit but uh, as any diehard Warriors fan knows, the We Believe Warriors were just—they were menaces—and they they tore the city of Dallas's heart out that that year. And quite frankly, they—the fact that it went six games, they probably should have beaten us in five. You know, as, as soon as we as soon as we lost Game One, and the ways we oh, lost. Yeah. Uh, you know, my my first memory of the Mavericks is is that 2006 team. Uh, and that was definitely a tough loss to the Heat. Uh, but you know, we kind of had the excuse of it being rigged and uh, the referees uh, being against us, and and Mark Cuban's reputation preceding himself. But uh, I, I have to say, 2007, watching uh, you know Dirk Nowitzki, who typically you know has the long flowing locks, he had he had his buzz cut, and and I to this day think that played a role in it. I think if Dirk you know had the luscious locks going, uh, there, was, quite frankly. <laughs> That, that would have gotten us at least one more oh, time. That would have gotten I, that. I, I think we'd have to, have to agree. But <laughs> no, n- nonetheless, definitely the most painful moment uh, as being a fan. There have been some other heartbreaks, though. I, I would say you know, the 2014 loss to the Spurs, even though we were the eighth seed, you know, we should have been up 2-0 on that team. Uh, obviously, we can't forget Vince Carter's magical buzzer beater. But that was a tough loss to the Spurs. Uh, and really, the last two years against the Clippers have been tough too. Granted, a different type of pain because there weren't really the expectations. But uh, you know, I could go on about this, and I, and I know you could too. So I'll I'll probably try and cut myself off here. But but thank you for for sharing that, Nigel. Uh, w- with that, let's just jump in. Uh, just uh, a- another quick recap. We're going to talk about the NBA off season as a whole. I think it, it's still in effect. There's still some things that that can happen, but more or less things are set. Uh, and and the Mavericks are a good team, I think, to talk about in this uh, segment. Uh, not necessarily because of the moves they made, but maybe the moves that didn't happen that they were linked to. I think they were one of a few teams that almost every marquee free agent was linked to. And uh, unless you know, I now if you can give me a better example, I think they're one one of the only teams who were in that conversation for so many of those players not to get any of them. And so I think this is just, you know, we're on a decade of this now. It's really been more than, uh, or it's been 10 years since, since that magical run and every off season since it's empty, em- empty promises. And this off season was no different. And, and we may think that, uh, it was a little bit of a different tone or we could be a little bit more optimistic because we had the big overhaul with the front office and, and head coach, head coaching change, you know, Rick Carlisle out after 13 years, Donnie Nelson out after the 23 or 24 years, Nigel. It, it, it's one of those two, right? Twenty twenty-four, right? It's so 24, so, 24. Yeah. So well, yeah, yeah, you know that Donnie Nelson's been in charge since, since we uh, were born. And so that, that definitely was a change. Um, I, I want to start with though, uh, you know, just talking about some of these big free agents that, that we missed out on and some are way more understandable than others, but, you know, I think there was, let's start with Chris Paul. We'll, we'll be quick because, you know, I, I don't think it was ever likely we would get Chris Paul, but I would like to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it was positive that for him to sign a big contract, he chose to stay with the Suns. Uh, I, I don't really think, I think that was one of those pipe dreams. That's like the Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, Chris Paul, um, th- those, I think were the two free agents that, you know, Mavs fans would have loved. We would have been willing to yeah. take on bad contracts and assign and trade to get, but, but we never thought we would. What, what is your thoughts on, uh, Chris Paul going back to the Suns? And, uh, I guess, did you ever really think we, we had a shot at getting him? So let me answer
1: this kind of backwards.
0: First, no. Chris Paul was never
1: even on my radar in terms of trades. I always just he to either signed back in Phoenix, or if he wasn't going to leave, it would have been to an L.A. Let's see, they got Westbrook now, so that kind of didn't pan out. It would have been to an L.A. It would have been to New York. A little bit of a bigger marketing environment for him. But in terms of him just being back at Phoenix, I love the, the continuity of him being back being able to develop the young guys even a little bit more. He got second year with DeAndre Ayton and we saw how much you've seen how much DeAndre Ayton like, has changed from being this player who we thought has put up empty stats and just didn't really do anything to being a really impact player. We can all guess why that happens because Chris Paul's leadership and guidance. So I love just him being back in that environment. See if he can run it back again. I, I don't think they're going to... i was make it back to the finals just based on some of the other moves we'll talk about in a second, but I do think that there is still room to grow for that roster. It's great
0: that he's going to be a part of that in the next couple of years. Sure. No, I I think that's a great point. And and for those who are listening who uh, hopefully aren't too familiar with with the NBA and are are trying to learn a little bit, Chris Paul was, uh, I think we can safely say, the leader of the Phoenix Suns. They just lost in six games last month to the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA Finals. A surprising run for the Suns, actually. Uh, who hadn't hadn't made the playoffs in in 10 years they had the miraculous 8-0 record in the uh Disney World bubble Orlando bubble during oh, we're still in the pandemic but during the end of the initial pandemic season uh and the Suns acquired him last offseason basically for pennies on the dollar and you know they they shocked everybody i think even even Suns fans uh, so I think, you know, it was good to see him re-up with them. Four-year contract up, worth up to $120 million. I think that's fair. He opted out of about $44 million guaranteed for this upcoming season. Obviously, the annual salary took a hit, but, you know, he got 70 million mm-hmm. more guaranteed. Who knows if something happens to him. You know, we've seen him struggle with injuries. Um, but, but, you know, good for him. Good for him. Good for the Suns. Quite frankly, good for the NBA. It would have been tough to see him go to a team like the Cl- going back to the clippers or you know take a 40 million dollar pay cut and go sign the MLE uh with the lakers uh you know i i think short of the pipe dream chris paul coming to the mavericks which yeah. i think we can admit just was very unlikely from the start uh th- this this is optimal for the whole league because it it maintains the parity that kept that league so interesting this year. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I, I don't want to harp on this too much. We had a lot of other people to dive into, but uh, Nigel, let's, I don't, we don't even need to waste our time with Kawhi Leonard. I, I think there was, I mean, you can, mm-hmm. you can give your thoughts and I know, I know you were in the Kawhi Leonard pipe dream camp. You were willing to mortgage the future for him. Uh, wh- 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 what are your thoughts on, on Kawhi silently as always <laughs> yeah. to, to stay with the Clippers? Honestly,
1: with, with Kawhi's question, I honestly don't understand why it took so long. Because I know the reporting was that he's supposed to meet with teams, but you could probably agree with me. He probably didn't meet with anybody else outside of the Clippers. Like he probably knew all along he was going to re-sign with them. I'm not surprised that he did. Um, I don't believe the terms of his contract got released. I know one of the things we are talking about doing was a one-and-one. Um, just to give a little bit more flexibility instead of doing a four-year deal, which honestly, if I was the Clippers, I would have considered not even doing a four-year deal, just because of all the injuries and. If you watched the playoffs, it seemed to were a lot more cohesive when he was out of the lineup. When you had guys like Terrence Mann and Reddy Jackson stepping up around Paul George, so it was. I'm not surprised that he resigned. I mean, I I I, I didn't think he was gonna go anywhere. I mean, me being a Mass fan. Obviously, he would have been the dream fit next to Luka because I do think that they need a 3 and D type wing around him just to go guard the other larger wing matches they're going to have to face every night. Um, But, I mean, if if I'm being honest and I'm being real for once, that wasn't going to happen. I just was pushing it because it would have been a fairytale that would have happened. It would have been a perfect fit. But I'm not surprised that happened, but I'm just wondering what the terms of the contract are and why it took so long for this to even come about.
0: So just getting this done early yeah no I mean you're right you're, you're so right on this I think this is just classic Kawhi Leonard though you know we, yeah. we've seen this for I mean almost a decade he's been the lead yeah he's been the lead for for 10 years now Hawaii's never been public he yeah. the reason he shocked the world what was it two years ago is because he didn't say anything and behind the scenes he was recruiting Paul George to the Clippers and and leveraging the Lakers mm-hmm. uh, against the Clippers and taking the Raptors private plane and you know doing everything a diva does except talk and that's why he he frankly gets away with it and doesn't and keeps the endorsements doesn't yeah. get the hate because he just keeps his mouth shut. Um, and you, you know we could do a whole podcast on on Kawhi Leonard, uh, but but uh, it's helpful for me to hear your thoughts on that and and I think we we're, we're kind of aligned there. Uh, so. A trio of free agents I, I want to talk about. Um, I'll actually let you pick uh, which one you want to dive into the most. But I think three guys that were strongly linked to the Mavs, or at least the Mavs, would have shown interest. Or even if it wasn't reported, you could have seen a good fit there. We have DeMar DeRozan, who ended up signing, at, did a sign and trade uh, from the San Antonio Spurs to the Chicago Bulls. Uh, we had Kyle Lowry a sign and trade from the Toronto Raptors to the Miami Heat, and then John Collins chose to re-sign uh, with with the Atlanta Hawks five years, hundred twenty million or one hundred twenty-five million, I believe. Uh, which one of those, you know, mm-hmm. do, do you want to talk about as as far as obviously the the deal itself between the two teams that that they occurred, the change, and then why the Mavs? You think. Why the Mavs weren't able to pull it off, and and what what it meant for the Mavs. And then after this, I do want to talk about the actual additions themselves because that's important. We did retain Tim Hardaway Jr., but I think it is important. The story of the Mavs off season, as as always, is mm-hmm. just as much the people they didn't didn't get as much as the people they they retained or acquired. So so which of those three uh, do you want to jump into? Yeah.
1: So is it possible we can do two because I, I really want to get into John Collins real quick. Yeah. yeah. would be DeMar DeRozan, but if we start off on John Collins, I mean, we've had yeah. these conversations in private, but I think Atlanta kind agrees with me on kind of their thought process because they, they didn't offer from the max contracts that he was hoping to get. I think he would have been able to look at, I think, 158 or something like that and he only got 125. Um, my big thing on John Collins The fit with the Mavericks would have been great just because Luka is such a great pick-and-roll partner. But when we're trying to... At this point in the deal with the Mavs, we don't have enough caps to be throwing money at the guys that wouldn't be necessarily that number two player that we're looking for. That's the only real money I want to see being thrown at free agents. I think Atlanta kind of feel the same way because they wouldn't even consider giving John Collins the money that he thought he was worth in terms of giving a max. You're paying a max for a guy like that if you think he gave me that number two option by Trey Young or by Luca, and I think Atlanta kind of agrees with me that he's he's not that guy, but he's very, he's obviously very valuable. That's the only reason they re up on a five-year deal. But I, I I understand why he was linked to the Mavericks and why he would have been a great fit, but not at the money he was looking for. I'm kind of glad Atlanta kind of went the same way. But the other free agent, Demar Derozan. Real yeah. quick, natural. Yeah.
0: I, I I completely agree. I think it's mm-hmm. tough. I think this is one of those situations where I I'll be the first to admit I was I was in my junior year behavioral economics class when the christophs Porzingis trade broke uh, in 2019, and I I got no work mm-hmm. done. Uh, I was so excited. I was following all the threads. Uh, I was just through the moon. We got the unicorn. We got Porzingis. That was the steal. Yeah, we'll give him the max contract and. We're set up with Luca and KP, and, and worst case scenario, KP stays what he was in New York, and he's maybe we slightly overpay him, but we have our number two. Uh, I could not have been more wrong. I, I, I you know, there's hope that it, it comes around, but I, I say that because if we war- didn't have. 150 million dollars committed to Kristaps Porzingis. I actually think John Collins would have been somebody worth getting in a bidding war over. Think about it. If if we didn't have Porzingis, and, and I mean, what do you think about that? If 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 we had had that hole, if we had just like 35 million sitting there, would you have paid him more? Oh than no, no. paid him if somehow we were able to have gotten off Porzingis. Yeah, knowing that what I what we know now,
1: definitely I'd pay John Collins a little bit more. I mean. The thing with Porzingis, I mean, obviously injuries are the major factor in this, but I think that what we can imagine like John Collins doing with Luka is some of stuff that we hope that KP would be able to do. Because when KP first came to the Knicks, I mean, he was obviously – and I guess when he's healthy, he still can do this, but he was a good pick-and-roll threat, pick-and-pop threat. John Collins can do a lot of those things and offered a little bit of defensive versatility that we thought Porzingis would offer. So I think we might have gotten him on a little – maybe a little bit cheaper than what uh, we end up paying for Zingus, but I would 100% would have done that because we still would have had money left over to potentially sign another guard, another free agent that's actually worth his salt. So I agree with you. I would have done the same thing if we didn't have Porzingis on our books.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree uh, real quick. I know we only have uh, two, two other people listening live. I do want to pause real quick and see if anybody has any questions or, uh I, we've gotten into a lot here and i just i just want to see if anybody should take a second mm. if anybody wants to call in okay uh we're good uh, you want to talk about damar next and and I, I think we'll have some time to talk, talk about kyle yeah oh never mind we have we have someone uh who mm-hmm. wants to call in so uh let's let's talk to ryan hey guys how's it going hey ryan how you doing
2: Good. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm from, uh, outside of San Antonio Spurs fan. And, uh, right. yeah, just looking oh, forward dude. to, uh, y'all getting into DeMar. Um, may- maybe I'm putting the uh, cart mm-hmm. in front of the horse here, but my general question is just, you know, how do you feel about him sort of moving out of San Antonio? Uh, you know, obviously the franchise sort of feels like it's falling apart, but he's a, he's a player that I really respect. Um, you know, I, I I respect his game. I respect his loyalty and it's, it's sort of sad to see him go, but um, as people who don't have maybe the same loyalty to the, to the Spurs that I do uh, maybe like him going to, uh, to the bulls um, just, just want to get y'all's take on that. Well, 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 first Ryan,
0: thanks. Um, It's thanks for calling. Uh, I did not know a Spurs fan would be on here. Um, uh, And, and, you know, I've, uh, Nigel and I have talked about this. That I don't actually hate the Spurs because it's just so much respect for the success. I hate the Houston Rockets just for all the wrong reasons. And, 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 and <laughs> yes, I, you know yes. The, the Rockets yeah. have achieved half uh, of what the Spurs have the last twenty years, and I hate them twenty x just because the, you know Pop has run such a great org. Uh, Tim Duncan, you know, was uh, just just a class act, and and just the Spurs won what I what I felt. The right way. We're obviously going to talk about Demar, but but I, I have to say that I, I and and I don't think Nigel would would disagree with me mm. too much. Yeah, I will echo those sentiments just because
1: I'm <laughs> now and uh. I have to deal with Rockets <laughs> fans on the team, and I know how awful they can be. And I again, I 100 percent respect the Spurs and everything they've done. I I've been a huge fan of Demar DeRozan, as a player. Uh, Toronto's like been one of the teams I followed when I was. Watching basketball, it's so one of the teams I usually follow, and I've just continued to follow him. When he we went to Toronto, we went to San Antonio, and he's carried himself with class and dignity throughout the entire transition. He knew he didn't want to really be in San Antonio, but he came in like a professional. He learned from Pop. He's improved as a player, and I just have nothing but respect. And I think San Antonio, y'all are doing a lot of. Good things that I like to see in a rebuild. Uh, there's a lot of prospects I really like yeah. on uh, my team. So I don't think that y'all are falling apart by any means. Y'all are just kind of going through the. Y'all finally have to have a
0: real rebuild like a normal franchise does. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan yeah. welcome to the yeah, world real true. NBA. When you don't just <laughs> fall into a generational talent every three years, it was Robinson and then Duncan and then Parker and then Ginobili and then Kawhi. And oh, man, I just. You know? Just
1: to imagine
0: uh, that but, but Imagine his Spotty Ginobili. Yeah, I mean, Marnie Ginobili would have been like the second best player. Uh, he would have been the second best starter minimum on, on any team in the NBA for a decade. And, and he was the Spurs' sixth man. Uh, to, to your actual question, Ryan, about the thoughts of him leaving, Nigel, we should talk about it a little bit. I, I think as, as tough as it may feel, it's, it was the right thing for the Spurs. I think it was great they were able to get uh, some assets. In a sign and trade, I think uh the Spurs are on the right track. it's tough you know it's the 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 Southwest division is just kind of loaded with talent young talent now, and Demar is an awesome player i want i did want I wanted the Mavs to take a run at Demar uh Nigel knows how I feel about this and, and I'll talk about it a little bit. I think for the Spurs where you are at. Uh, it was the right thing. I think you need to get a Kelvin Johnson more playing time. Uh, Derek White, uh, Jakob Portal. I believe I'm saying his name right. You have a young, a, a young, strong team. Lonnie Walker. I think the way you all yeah. fought in that playing game against Memphis just personifies that franchise. And how you all are always going to be in the mix in some capacity and I think we saw it when LaMarcus Aldridge chose to sign with the Spurs even though it didn't pan out I think it showed that if you build the right way and you have the right culture the Spurs I'm never going to count the Spurs out you just can't count the Spurs out um that that all being said I I think it was the right decision on on behalf of both parties I don't think Demar, when he signed a five-year extension with with the Raptors, or or signed that that contract with the Raptors, he expected to finish in in San Antonio. And uh, I I th- I think it was it, it was the right time. I think Demar was very professional, even though Lamarcus. I, I thought it was kind of questionable the way Lamarcus went out. I thought it was very Blake Griffin esque. It's funny it happened uh, in, in in the same year, but uh, Nigel, I don't want to cut you off here. Uh, I know you have thoughts on this so why don't you dive into this yeah. a little bit more and then, and then Ryan I, I want to hear your thoughts too because you're, you're the Spurs expert here and, and yeah. I, I want to hear your thoughts so Nigel let's go to you and then, and then we'll give it back to Ryan yeah so I mean we kind of
1: echoed it already but it definitely was time I, and I'll even throw in another young guy that I really like on the Spurs Devin Passell actually re- watching some of this, yeah. this stuff recently he's in the summer league this most recent summer league he's really improved his ball handling And that was something he was already flashing up for the state. So, I think he had a chance to be a real special two-way wing. So, that was definitely the right move for DeRozan. They both need to separate at this point. There's too many young guards and wings on that Spurs team that they just need to develop. Uh, I mean, y'all just drafted, what, two or three more? So, they just need that time to, to grow and develop. You need to really get into a rebuilding sort of situation. So, it was good that DeRozan ended up leaving in terms of his fit, if I squint, I can see how it will fit in Chicago. Um, be i be tough with what can do there. it. Um, uh-uh. I, I, I've told you my thoughts personally Is that I'll share it here? Um, in order for it to work in Chicago, DeRozan will have to play more of a point guard role. I know they they just got Lonzo. but in the half court set, especially now, that like, even Ryan, you get tested with now DeRozan, like just the vastly improved playmaker. Um, just Lonzo can shoot off the catch, off the ball. In really a half-court only offered much out of of that. So you can have him working the weeds. You have Levine working off screens and pin down, things of that nature. And have DeRozan initiate the offense. So I think it can work in that respect. But I also feel like DeRozan and Levine are a little redundant. Defensively, that's just going to be a tough group to, you know, try to be even mediocre on defense so that's going to be the only concern with them but if I squint I can see the fit works it kind of goes a little bit against what DeRozan was saying in one of his most recent interviews like looking to win be for titles you're not going to do that in Chicago with this roster unless it's a big trade that nobody knows about what's coming up but I think for a fit for him it, it, can, it can work they just have to just kind of put some ego to the side and try to figure out how it's going to work Billy Donovan's a decent coach so he should be
0: able to put that together but I'm not being a fit. And, no, and, and I will say, Ryan, uh, I'm sure you know the the, de- the details of the deal. Uh, just for anybody else listening, San Antonio, uh, and for people who aren't familiar in the NBA, uh, when someone's a free agent, they're free to. It's it's how it sounds. They're free to go sign with any team, uh, permitting that they are within under the salary cap, which is the amount of money that each team is. Uh, the max amount of money each team is allowed to allocate to their roster for a given season. If a team uh, is not able to sign that player for the agreed-upon amount uh, restricted by the salary cap, they can uh, acquire that player in what's called a sign-and-trade where the the incumbent team signs that player and then immediately signs that player into their their cap space and immediately trades them for assets to the other team, which is what happened with the Bulls uh, and the Spurs. The Spurs signed... DeMar to three years, 85 million and traded him in return for Thaddeus Young, Al Camino and a future first round pick. Thaddeus Young and Al Camino are both expiring contracts, uh, Ryan. And I think this is really good for you that I think the Spurs are going to be able to flip those later in the season. You know, if, if things don't work out and playing doesn't doesn't look uh, viable, you will be able to maybe get more young assets back. So all in all, I think I think it was great for the Spurs, but i uh, We've been talking now. You're the Spurs expert. So, so what are your thoughts on everything? What, how, how do you feel about it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think generally the thing that's been missing from the team over the last couple seasons is just the guy. So, you know, when Kawhi dips, you know, maybe this is supposed to be L.A. Maybe this is supposed to be DeMar. And it didn't really seem – I mean, it definitely didn't um, pan out with Aldridge. And – you know, I, I'm not sure if Demar Derozan is quite at the level, um, to sort of be like the franchise player. So, you know, if you're looking at it from that perspective, then, um, you know, maybe it does make sense to sort of, um, you know, offload him. Um, but yeah, just in terms of it, it definitely feels like it's in full re, uh, rebuild mode now. So, you know, as both of y'all have noted, you know, we have a lot of, Promising young talent, but you know, in terms of hanging around and, and in terms of the team, you know, continuing to be competitive, I, you know, the way that I see it, and this is sort of what I was alluding to, and I said that the you know the franchise is falling apart is more that it, it seems like it might be you know another season or two to you know let some guys develop um, and really you know get this team back into. Um, you know, yeah. a, a state where they can really make a run and, and start competing for championships again. And
1: here's what I'll say about DeRozan. And I think this is really the biggest problem of his career. He's always been miscast as a number one option. It's, it's kind of like the... Remember the Hawks yeah. a couple years ago with Joe Johnson? When Joe Johnson was... He was putting up like 20 in the yeah. game and they were always getting like the second round of playoffs. But he was always best as like a number two, number three type player. So to kind of hit your wagon around LaMarcus, who's a number two, number three, Rosen, a number two, number three, that's never going to work in terms of
0: multiple-round
1: playoff success. So there was always a cap on that team. So, I mean, the fact that that we moved – that y'all moved on, I think. I think this bodes well. And I, I don't know how far off y'all are. Like, DeJounte Murray, he has now the a chance to take another offensive step. Keldon Johnson's played with saying then the cell I mentioned earlier, Lonnie Walker, all those guys I think have room where they could be competitive this year. I'm not saying playoffs, maybe not even saying playing, but I feel I feel like they're going to be a little bit more spunky than people think just because it's a pot-led team with a bunch of young guys that are hungry and are assuming new roles. So I don't think they're going to be that far from what we think.
0: Yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, I was just gonna say. I, I, I hope yeah. So. Uh, well, I mean, you've seen you've seen what three championships? Ryan, how old are you? You're, you're, you've seen you've seen. Pro- yeah, so you've seen a solid. I'm I'm 22. I mean, at least three. so what? Like 14, 17. Do Do you remember the 2005 championship?
2: Uh no, I I only remember oh um, seven and 14. two of them. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, that's twice as many as us. So.
2: Uh, we, we do, yeah. Ryan. If
0: we said we we pitied you as a Spurs fan, Ryan, but but we do we do wish the Spurs the best. Uh, it, it is it is a first class organization. I'm curious mm-hmm. to see how they navigate this period because it's the first time in the pop era that it, it is kind of uncharted territory. I think we saw that with how they approached the Kawhi Leonard trade. I think if you go back, even though the Raptors only had Kawhi Leonard for one year, that was a heist. Uh, to have only, you know, DeMar was fine, but, you know, you got DeMar, Jakob Purtle, and a first-round pick when uh, a year later, you know, the the Clippers gave up five times that for a player who's maybe 80% as good. So I'm curious to see how your front office navigates this. I think they're on the right track. But uh, yeah, Ryan, anything else you want to add before we uh,
2: uh, keep going or... Yeah, no, um, you know, I think, Nigel, your point about Demar sort of being a, a number two, number three is, is spot on. I think this is evidenced by, you know, Toronto's uh, championship because, you know, you replaced Damar with Kawhi. Now you have a true number one. I think all that makes sense. And um, yeah, no, I just generally appreciate the analysis. And, uh, you know, ho- hopefully uh, the Mavs and the Spurs are, uh, you know, continue to run the state and then the Rockets Stay bad for a little while. Uh they got Jalen Green,
0: so I don't have to yeah. about that. Yeah. Well, Ryan, Ryan, Whatever. thanks so much, man. Uh, we appreciate it. we're gonna we're gonna keep talking about the mavs here, but I mean you're yeah. you're welcome to to chime in anytime, but but thanks so much and uh good luck to the Spurs. Sorry, I was on mute. I I forgot to, to, to unmute myself. Uh, <laughs> I want us to in these last few minutes, Nigel, talk about what the Mavs did get. Uh, and and you know we we talked yeah. about Chris Paul, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I think Kyle Lowry was would have been nice, but I think he's a better fit for the Heat especially on their timeline. We talked about John Collins and just had a lengthy discussion about Demar DeRozan. Uh we got the the big quote big acquisition is Reggie Bullock, uh 3 years 30.5 million. Uh we signed Sterling Brown and Moses Brown, we traded for Moses Brown in the trade with the uh, Boston Celtics, the the century salary dump deal for Josh Richardson. Uh, We don't have to focus on any one of them, but what do you think these moves add for the team? And do you think it changes really anything uh, for this upcoming season as far as expectations or or ability to compete? So for the first two,
1: for the two wings, Brown and uh, Bullock, or I guess Sterling Brown, because yeah, we have two Browns now. Um, so Sterling Brown and uh, Reggie Bullock. I mean, what they—if you even watched the playoffs, I mean, you obviously watched the playoffs this year. But the biggest difference in wins and losses was to be able to shoot the basketball. I mean, we were just really relying on Tim Hardaway Jr. to be able to catch and shoot, and we know how inconsistent he can get. Although we all love him. Um, so just having a guy like Reggie Bullock, who shot, I think, 41% from three on a playoff team as a sometimes starter, sometimes off the bench, but knows his role, veteran, can defend. I think he just exemplifies everything that we thought we were going to get from Josh Ripson and didn't get. We, when we thought Josh Richardson would come in, we thought he had, had a little bit of playmaking, <laughs> a little bit of defense, a little bit of pretty much
0: everything that to yeah, be the perfect but, I mean, fit I, for Luka. I, 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 I know, but do we do we really think we're going to get this? Because we signed Delon, we did the sign and trade for Delon Wright, where we gave up what now looks mm-hmm. like too much, two second round picks to pay the guy nine million a year. That's flamed. Then we trade him mm. and we bring in Josh Richardson. And I will admit, just like with the Porzingis thing, I thought that was a great trade. I thought, oh, Seth, Seth is awesome, but you know. Yeah, he so that- we're fine on offense. If we had had Josh Richardson instead of Seth, maybe in that series against the Clippers, and KP had stayed healthy, maybe we beat the Clippers. And Seth, we have to have a caveat about COVID, but Seth was just, or, uh, sorry, uh, Josh was just not playable down the stretch for the Mavs. And so, uh, which I guess would be a positive for for Reggie Bullock, but, uh, but, but you think this could actually work this time. Not DeLon, not Josh, but I think – I want to give it a
1: chance because we're bringing a new ownership – not new ownership, but new general manager, new coach, all this new overhaul. Yeah. I want to give it a chance before I freak out. Um, that's, again, that's what, also what I like about uh, Moses Brown. I think that's a really good, young, big who can rebound. He can block shots. He's not as mobile in the defensive end. It was one reason he didn't get drafted. Um, but I think he's a valuable, big guy that you can develop. So I want to give this new regime a chance. And their big thing is about – again, it's also why I like Brown, again, just because it's the young piece. This regime is supposed to be about player development. Um, If you watch their press conference, one of the things they were talking about was really locking into Josh Green. I think that was interesting they brought him in as the second player they brought up outside of Luka. So I want to give it a chance before I even – freak out. I don't think it's going to, it could be as bad as Wright or um, Richardson. I don't think it could be worse. Um, so, it has to be, it has to work out. It has to work out. Or I'm just going to, I, I don't know what I'll do, but it's going to work out. I have faith.
0: Well, I'll, I'll say this. I think expectations are definitely lower with the way we, because I yes. I think what happened is we basically have the same, we basically had the same team the last two years, Nigel. Uh, the expectations are different is yeah. because last year it was, oh, if Kristaps Porzingis is healthy, the Mavs beat the Clippers, and who knows what can happen. Uh, KP was healthy for the, for the series, and, and and we saw what happened. And it needs to be seen if, if Jason Kidd can, can do a better job getting KP in his rhythm. But I think just by virtue it's going to work out better because the expectations just aren't going to be as high. Some people have the Mavs as a dark horse. I mean, my delusional self as well thought, oh, hey, maybe the Mavs, if everything breaks right, they could sneak into the Western Conference Finals. We didn't make it to the second round for the the 10th time in in 10 years. Um, So I think there's less pressure on Reggie Bullock working out, but I I think he will. For him to work out, he just has to make his shots and play defense. And, I mean, so – but. There's also the difference between um, him and
1: Josh Richardson. We're asking him to play a more defined role. Yeah. I mean, he, can only, he only offers so much. We're asking Josh Richardson to also be able to play make, find your own shots. And then COVID hits in the backdrop of all this just trying to get him in, integrated. So he's never he, – I mean, he had a chance, but I don't think he really had a, a viable chance just based on all the circumstances
0: that are kind of around him particularly. No, I, I I I don't disagree. I think actually uh a lot of it hinges on on Jason Kidd's ability to get the best out of this roster. What 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 do you think about yeah. uh, bringing in Jason Kidd um how that uh, uh, what are your expectations what um, what do you think is is uh what, feasible for for positive growth? Positive growth um to me what that looks like
1: are the young guys we have on the roster? Because we already know what we're going to get out of Dorian. We already know what we're going to get out of them. a Povon, a Maxi, a Tim Hardaway. We already know what we're going to get out of them. What young guy becomes a rotational piece? I think that's the biggest key, because not only am I thinking about this like roster fit, like can we one of these guys actually play on the team and give Lucas some portion of help, but like which one of these guys can become an asset? Because if one of these, say, let's say for instance. And I would use Josh Green as an example because I believe he can be a three and D type player that can do a little bit of facilitating things of that nature. You love Josh Green. I, I I love the idea of Josh Green. I think that's really what it is. Um, here's a guy he played point guard in high school, and if you even watch some of the Mavs games this year, we had the opportunity. He would make some really really good passes for a wing that we say is like technically offensively challenged. So imagine if he was able to some sort of three-point shot, some sort of offensive game. He's already ahead of t- schedule defensively. That's an asset right there that we can potentially use in a deal as a cheap contract that actually has value for. Say, for instance, Porzingis gets healthy for a year. We have to trade Porzingis and Josh Green for another piece. So that's I think that's, that's the biggest thing I'm looking for is just a kid. Like Which piece can you get to unlock to be a rotational piece that could potentially use in a larger deal for somebody else or actually Make this team better than what it already is. That's like really all I'm looking for.
0: Sure. No, I I think those are all good points. Uh, I I don't I don't want to uh, go have this go too much longer. I, I want this to be mm-hmm. di- digestible. But I I think the last two things we need to talk about in some capacity are Tim Hardaway choosing from reportedly mm-hmm. took 14 million dollar discount to stay with us. Yeah, And then what looks like now a failure to get Goran Dragic. So I'll, I'll just kind of let you give, give your thoughts on that. Let's, let's start with Tim. Well, what, what is your thoughts? Do you like that number yeah. for the deal was four, four years, 74 million. Uh, obviously the math is a little over 18 million a year. I, I, I was, you know, I don't think we got a bargain, but I, I think we could have done worse. No. Nah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, again, brought this up before. I think
1: he was going to get closer, even with some of the money that he was offered. I thought he was going to get close to 22 a year. Just based I, I wow. thought just based on his skill set and what he can add to a lot of contenders as just a catch-and-shoot guy. I thought he was going to get a lot more. So I'm glad they were able to bring him in. Hit my biggest reservation on being all in on Tim Marwick is I love the guy as like a culture setter and when he's going, I love him as a player. His game is extremely – or pretty much 100% rely on the fact that he does not have a handle. So all the buckets he's going to get is from hitting a three ball, the occasional pull-up, and the occasional line drive. I don't know if I want to make that investment for a guy that offers such a limited skill set. But, again, I I love him as a culture guy, and I'm happy we got him back in the roster. But, like, we have four years of him. Is there any sort of off-the-dribble improvement that he can make? And I like, I, would I liken it to Bradley Beal in his first couple of years. I don't know if you remember what his reputation was like coming in, but he was just strictly a shooter. And slowly over time, he's developed himself into yeah. one of the better one-on-one players we have in the league. I I mean, obviously, I'm not saying Tim Hardwick has to get to that, but can he get some sort of... Functional handle uh, to me that would justify the dollar amount a little bit more if
0: you could add a little bit more to his office repertoire. Yeah, sure. No, I, you know, I, I don't. I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, you, you always have the more insightful analysis in this stuff, so I'm not gonna try and sound redundant. But I, I agree. I think it was good to keep him. Um, I think more from a continuity standpoint. I would have liked. I mean, if we could have maybe only mm-hmm. like 16 million or 17 million a year, that would be golden. But. You know that's that's what he's yeah. there. We we got to keep him. I think it would have been a much bigger. I would have rather slightly overpaid him than lose him altogether because I think that would have been been tough. Um, one guy that we aren't going to get that I thought we it doesn't sound like at least we're going to get uh, is Goran Dragic. Um, no. What what mm-hmm. was your reservation price or what as far as the maps giving up an asset or uh, trading for Dragic? What if the Mavs had pulled something off, so I don't think they're going to would you have been like, eh, like that's the no. most I would have, I'm okay with the deal. What, you know, if we're, our assets are like Brunson, uh, Josh Green, Tyro Terry, future first, future second, Moses Brown, those are some of our assets. We obviously would have had to couple them with, with Dwight or Willie Cauley Stein. Yeah. Uh, what would have been your thoughts there and, and thoughts going forward with us not having that second uh, ball handler?
1: Yeah, so with Drogic, my thing is it's a one-year deal for a guy that has a diminishing skill set. He was, he, was, he was a borderline all-star in his prime, and he, now he's barely – he's not a starter, I think. You don't think he's a starter? So I, I, don't, I don't think so. Wow. Just based on diminishing returns, and I was never a huge Drogic fan because I felt like a little too consistent for my liking. He would have started here, obviously, because he's a Luka guy, and he's better
0: than any guards we have on the roster outside Luca. Uh, which is not that kind, of, that kind of highlights the state of the yeah. match, doesn't it? Yeah. For, you to, really for you to have just said what you said and say he would have been our second best guard. Yes,
1: exactly. It was just very depressing. But um, in yeah. terms of like what I would have been, I wouldn't. Obviously, Pal would have to go. I mean, just to make the money work. Um. I'm holding on to Brunson for dear life outside of that and maybe just because I feel it's, uh, Josh Graham's a little bit more like, realistic like ability on this team I would have been fine maybe getting up Terry or a Brown or something like that but
0: yeah, yeah Jalen see-
1: Brunson I'd be kicking and
0: screaming if we gave him up. I, I, I don't disagree. I think obviously mm-hmm. I'm I'm a homer with Tyro Terry. Um, uh, he did go yeah. to my school, so I, I'm rooting for him that way. But I think, when well, I'll say this, there's no way to go without for Tyro, Ter- Tyro Terry. He seems confident going in, into Summer League. I think exactly. I, I wouldn't have been happy giving up Ty, but I would have understood it with the Mavs if the Mavs had done more diligence and thought, look, we just made the wrong pick. We'd rather get this certainty for a year in this guy who likes Luca who Luca likes will be better there's uh, we can't argue that Goran Dragic is going to be a better basketball player in 2021 uh, in 2022 than Tyro Terry I I think if that's not the case we will be stunned um I still it would have been tough to give up Ty Terry though because there's so much optimism uh I I agree that giving up Jalen Brunson would have been a lot and if I had to guess the Raptors were asking for at least Jalen Brunson and because cause, cause I, I bet, Nigel, that 100%. the Mavs would have been willing to give up Ty Terry to get Dragic, And I think the Raptors probably wanted more than that. Uh, so it remains to be seen. It remains mm-hmm. to be seen. There's a lot that remains to be seen about this Mavs team. You know, the one good thing we have going for us is we have uh, Luka Doncic for as long as he chooses to put up with our, our franchise. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he signs that Supermax uh, extension. Well the con-
1: the contingent is flying out this week to go get that sign. They Derek better they better do the it. They're gonna be in Slovenia, so
0: they better get them uh, signed that thing. We'll, we'll see. Well, Nigel, any anything we covered a lot here. Uh you know, we're approaching the fifty minute mark. Any anything from free agency you wanna add in? Anything about the Mavs that I didn't get to uh, that um so we
1: touched on the Mavs essentially I, if I want to get like a couple of like shout-outs, I'd like to shout out the Charlotte Hornets for their draft into the free agency. They're able to get James Booknight from uh, UConn, who I, he's similar to like a less athletic Zach to me. And if we talk about, if we kind of compare the Mavs versus what the Hornets did to so the surrounding your young star with pieces that actually A, fit around him, and B, have potential to be a little bit more than just a rotational piece, I think Charlotte did a fantastic yet under-the-radar job of building out the roster. Now they have a bunch of playable wings. Uh, this Kai Jones kid I just watched, um, he's very athletic. He can be a great pick-and-pop. I picked a role partner with LaMelo, La so I, I really love that fit. And then, begrudgingly, I'll give a shout out to the Rockets. that did think that over the good draft, but hopefully they fall apart in all demands rates. But Oh, yeah, yeah, let's, oh, yeah,
0: let's, let's, let's not let's not talk about the Houston Rockets. No, you yeah. know, I I I appreciate that. I I think it is a very I do think it's not by no means is it a stretch to compare the Charlotte Hornets to the Mavericks because very similar young cornerstones. Obviously, Luca is better than Lamelo, yeah. but Lamelo was third overall pick. Once again, he was he should have been the first overall pick. I think I think most will say Anthony Edwards was no scrub as a number one pick. But I think if if we have a redraft. I think it's highly likely Lamella would have gone one and Edwards would have gone second. So, yeah, props to the Hornets. Uh, it would be interesting if they're also even able to acquire Laurie Markkinen, Uh just another young piece putting in there. I'm sure they would get him at a bargain. But, uh, yeah, um, a, a lot, you know, we could you could do a three-hour podcast on the NBA offseason uh, and even through the lens of the Mavs. And I, I think we did a good job, you know, Keeping the focus on the Mavs, but but we touched on a lot of good storylines. It was it was helpful to have uh, Ryan hop in here and and share what it's like to be a Spurs fan right now. Uh, but yeah, Nigel, uh, I I really appreciate you you hopping in. Uh, hopefully, this isn't the first time. I've I think you you know more about basketball than I do, so always appreciate uh, you you calling in. And let's see what happens with the Mavs, man. I mean. If, if if things break right, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll get swept yeah. in the second round. What do you think? Oh yeah, well, second round, yeah.
1: We're going to win a series this year. I, I have that little faith that we can get out of the first round for the first time in what eleven years now. It, it will years? be it will be
0: eleven years because two thousand eleven. Our greatest moment as Mavs fans was also the last time we won a playoff series. So last time I smiled watching the Mavericks. Yeah, but sure. I appreciate you having me on Zach. Yeah, uh, for but, sure. Man, I,
1: I love what you're trying to do right here, man. Hopefully I can be back at some point.
0: Talk more maps. Yeah, a- anytime, man. Uh, well, thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been another episode of Sports with a Z with your host, Zach Naidoo. Uh, another special edition on Tuesday. Uh have a contingent of water polo experts uh, will be joining me. Uh, I, was, I was a water polo player at one point, but uh, I, I'm deferring to people with much more experience and talent than myself. Uh so please tune in for that Tuesday at 7:15 Pacific I believe uh, uh until then uh everybody enjoy the rest of your weekend and go maps